0: All right, everybody. Hey, good morning. It's Friday, October 1st, 2021. Welcome to this week in the New York Times where I look, I take a post-progressive view of our progressive newspaper of record. And um, as I often do, I focus, I'm going to focus this week on one of the top opinion writers for the New York Times, David Brooks. And, um, and I, I like the opinion writers because they're, in, in a way, most likely to be integrating uh, value systems. And some of, some of them do very well at that. Uh, David Brooks is one of them, as is Ross Douthat, and I often bring him up. And both of them have a knack for presenting an argument where they will acknowledge the best of both points of view. Uh, that are sort of polarized in the culture wars and, and then come up with their own you know, very clear solution. Ross Douthat did it this week, and I may do a, a closer look at this column, but it was about, about Facebook and talking about the new studies that show how Facebook and social media and Instagram particularly are causing anxiety and depression among teenagers and he talks about you know, that, causality, uh, correlation, is, uh, the, the civil liberties points, um, uh, how are we going to control children, how do we control the algorithms? Um, and he gets into you know, many arguments from all points on the political spectrum, and then comes up with a very radical solution, uh, or a point of view, and that is that uh, social media ought to be off-limit to children. Uh, Until maybe 16, 17, 18, it says like a a kid can't go in and buy a bottle of Hennessy. There's uh, reasons for that. And so I like that uh, because, uh, you know, I I can hear, I can listen to um, a, a solution or a policy position where I know the person has taken many perspectives into account. That just raises their credibility to me. That raises their integrality to me. That's what we're doing here. So anyway, what I wanna focus on today are two columns by David Brooks on the spending packages that are currently being fought in Congress, particularly between the progressive and the moderate Democrats. And one of his columns, the one that um, was this morning was called, this is why we need to spend 4 trillion. He's on board for both of these spending packages. And, um, and the other one was, I, I think, a, a week or so ago, what Democrats need to do now in terms of integrating these two sets of values. So I'll start with him. And he writes, I'm going to sort of mix these two columns up to uh, make um, more of an integral uh, uh, view here. So he writes, the Biden administration is in mortal peril. The Democrats bet nearly their entire domestic agenda on the passage of two gigantic bills, the trillion dollar infrastructure package and the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. Both are now in serious trouble because Democrat moderates and Democratic moderates, we can't use the Fox word pronunciation here, the Democratic moderates and progressives aren't close to agreeing on what should be in the bills, how much they should cost, or even when they should be voted on. If these bills crumble, the Democrats will fail as a governing majority, and it will be far more likely that Donald Trump will win the presidency in 2024, which is a hair raising thought. He agrees. He says, we don't want that, Trump elected, to, be, to happen. So the question is, how can moderate and progressive Democrats create a package they both can live with? The best way to do that is to build on each side's best insights. I love that. I could be coming right from the Post-Progressive Post uh, and the Institute for Cultural Evolution who's hosting me here today. And, uh, and actually, I, I, I would share uh, a look at a chart that Steve McIntosh put together on the post-progressive post. And this lays out what uh, Brooks is talking about here. And you can see this chart shows these value polarities reveal the quote, four Americas. And then you can see there's caring values, fairness values, liberty values, and heritage values. Those four are the, these, the, this, that's, the those are the four that stack up. So in heritage values, that's on the far right of the four values. And that is the God and country people. Um, and, um, and that's the right polarity of the conservative, of the Republicans. The other polarity of the Republicans is the libertarians. So we have these libertarians and then we have the social conservatives. And the liberty values for the libertarians, it's free, it's free enterprise, it's that whole stream. Of basically free enterprise, then so that's on the right, and then on the left we have um, fairness values and caring values, Uh, and caring values are is the far left. That's the progressives who really want to create a more egalitarian society in general, and fairness values are you know this is fairness values and liberty values are both in the modern stage of development. So, you know, there's just one leans left, it's more the, um, you know, academia, actually academia has gone into the caring values, but fairness values are, uh, uh, you know, let's use technology and let's be capitalists, but let's use it to make a, a smarter, better America. So what he's talking about is some way of integrating all of those values. And, and having an, an integration that takes into account the best of all of those. So I like that. And he then goes on to describe how he would do that. Before I, I get to that, I do want to point out that if we look at, you know, again, these stages of development, that what is beyond progressive or the, the caring values is a whole new ballgame, which is integral values, which is integration of the best of all the previous values. So that's what we're for here. And on the right, that would be the value structure that preceded the God and country people. That's the red warrior stage of development. And um, and normally we disregard that, but I don't want to disregard that because he, he mentioned it here you know, if if we don't get this together, one way or the other, um, Trump could very well be president again. And Trump comes from the red stage of development. I haven't talked a lot about Trump lately, uh, because the uh, legal requirement to include him in every conversation ended in January with Biden. And I love that. But it's worth mentioning that Trump, you know, the, the, the red structure is about power. It's not about right and wrong. It's not about laws. It's not about sensitivity. It's about who can win and, and really not even winning so much. And, and this is shown in Trump that he just fights. He, he fights his way through losses. He fights his way through victories. And at red, if you're not fighting, you don't feel alive you know, you don't feel like you're being even responsible to your people. And so we've seen that with Trump that if the, the through the election, uh, since the election, particularly, I mean, if you didn't believe this before the election, I hope you do now, where, you know, anything he can do to just discount the uh, election results and the recounts and so forth. Um, there's something very powerful about it. And I talked about it a good bit over the last couple of years on the Daily Evolver, uh, especially in a podcast called Pre-Truth, Post-Truth and Beyond, uh, red being pre-truth. They literally, they can use laws, but it's, it's not connected to a sense of that these have a higher ontological value based on facts than just my egotistical needs. And get, getting into sort of the, one of the ways that we can see red is that it is um, you know, the center of gravity is egoic. And so there's a certain way in which people at Red are, like Trump, arrested at the egocentric stage of development. And I did a podcast called Psychopaths Are People Too. That came from the New York Times. And it was an article written by an, uh, you know, a, a self-conscious psychopath who's kind of working on herself and uh, she's self-identified. She has a whole group of people, that, you know, sort of uh, a, a, a um, support group for psychopaths. And, you know, all of that helps us to understand that there is that strata at work, you know. And all of these other stratas, this traditional st- strata of being civilized and sort of following the rules and being disciplined and that sort of thing. And then modern values being smart and creating systems and, you know, the modern world. And in postmodern or progressive, where we become sensitive to the people who have been left out. um, All of those are, are, you know, they're all subject to red, you know, being in control. And of course, modern government led by the founding fathers of the USA expressly built a government uh, to counter red, to counter the king and, um, you know, autocracy and that sort of thing. And it has so far held even against Trump. I mean Trump is something. But, um, but, I, but but another point I'd like to make is that um, you know Trump is carrying the flag of traditionalists, the god and country people. He's doing it using red uh, tactics, but they love him for it. And I would also say that progressives would love somebody doing that for them too, if that happened, you know, some big daddy or big preferably big mama out there in the globe, knocking heads, you know, at all these conferences and calling out corporate power and making fun of the plutocrats and all in on climate legislation, inequality, multiculturalism, just in their, in the arena fighting, you know, just getting it done. And, um, you know, at war with the establishment like Trump, but from the left, um, you know, we'd be, sent, we'd be sympathetic to that character, we lefties. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just a, some integral orientation to this whole idea of integrating values. All right, so now Brooks, and this is getting into why I appreciate Brooks so much, he will argue the case from the progressive side. Now, again, this is the, now these, the two, the, 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 the uh, progressives and the moderate Democrats fighting here. And here's the argument from the progressive side. The progressives have a strategy to reverse American decline, redistribute money to people without a college degree, make health care more affordable so people have a stable foundation upon which to build their lives, Offer child tax credits so parents have more options. Expand free public education by four years so the coming generations are better equipped. And he says, in real tangible ways, this progressive view would redistribute dignity back downward. This is a big theme for um, Brooks, who feels like the big problem is just sort of social decay at the traditional, if you will, level, the the rural high school educated level. And he goes on, he says, this legislation would support hundreds of thousands of jobs for home health care workers, child care workers, construction workers, metal workers, supply chain workers. They would ease the indignity, and I love this, of millions of parents who face having to raise their children in poverty the indignity of raising your children in poverty. And that is a moral um, realization that is coming online fast in this country. I feel it welling up in me. It's just not tolerable anymore to have an a, 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 a intractable underclass. And from the right, they would argue that the problem with the, the, who created the underclass was the left and all the welfare programs. And this is just more of the same. And Brooks will get into that. But I just want to say that I'm sympathetic to that argument, too. And I'm very open to Republicans having ideas on how to deal with the indignity of raising your children in poverty. I, just, I just can't say it any better than that. And I'm open to Republicans' ideas on that. And uh, my guess is, is that the, the, the $1, billion, $1 trillion infrastructure passed, uh, uh, bill will eventually pass, but this 3.5 a reconciliation bill, I, I, I assume it'll be pared down. I don't know what's going to happen to it. But if it doesn't pass, um, Republicans, the, the, you know, the ship is moving. Republicans are going to have to address this in ways that they haven't be- before. And I'm open to that. So anyway, so that's, um, that's Brooks on, you know, what happens with this progressive thing that it will, he's for it. You know, at the end, he comes out completely for it. Um, so here's, here's his take on the moderates. He says, Joe Manchin, a leading moderate, argues that the 3.5 trillion package is too big. The economy is already growing. Inflation is already rising. The national debt is already gigantic. We don't need another flood of deficit bulging spending. We should pause to think this through. The key moderate insight is that we're America, not Europe. We're mostly an immigrant fueled frontier nation. Now he's getting into traditional values and you know more more of these, these two polarities of libertarian and, and social conservative God and country people on the right. We're immigrant fueled frontier nation. We place a lot of value on individual striving, hard work, and mobility. We are hostile to centralized power. These values have made America more unequal and crueler than Europe, but also much richer, more innovative, and more productive. And that is, um, you know, I, th- I think a wonderful integration of those worldviews. There, um, he does point out that the majority of Americans support the moderates. That's not necessarily um, uh, going to rule the day in a country where we have, pol- you know, polar- polarized parties. Uh, but he does mention that, Uh, but he does not um, uh, favor. He favors getting this done, and he says, Manchin and those people supporting Manchin's positions are missing the big picture. We are a nation in decline. We're in decline because we have become a wildly unequal, class-rived society in which tens of millions of people feel alienated, disillusioned, distrustful, and left out. The moderates are right to point out that a new expanded welfare state should flow along the grain of American values and not against it. We should not be doling out huge benefits to people without asking anything from them in return, like work and education requirements. We should not be centralizing power in Washington. Government should give parents more resources to make decisions based on what's best for their own children. And it should be... Uh, creating an open field and fair chance to be a better capitalists, pioneers of their own destinies. And again, these traditional sort of bells ringing here. America will reverse declined with a measure that is progressive in its scope and moderate in its values. I would say integrated in its values. So, um, I like that. He also points out that, um, uh, if you look at the GDP, revenue to GDP ratio, currently 17% taxed. um, And if the democratic bill passed, it would be 19% of the GDP would go to taxes. And that in Denmark, they devote 46% of their GDP to taxes. Uh, But they like the welfare positions that it's never going to happen. He says, we should not be under the illusion that we're going to create a European style welfare state on this side of the Atlantic, I don't know about that. Actually, I think uh, if you if you look at development, there's just an inexorable move green. Uh, Europe's a half a step ahead of us, and maybe more. But that is, you know, we as we become more sensitive to people who have been left out, and you know that actually we don't, the cradle to grave, uh, you know, we don't want people falling out of the cradle. And, you know, we, there, there is a certain responsibility we have that continues to grow as we become morally developed. And so I think, you know, we might have a welfare state uh, at some point. uh, Again, we're behind Europe uh, developmentally. Um, He also, and this is another thing where he goes right for the traditionalists. He says, talks about the American dream. And he says, for years, there was almost an officially approved life. Get a BA, move to those places where capital and jobs are congregating, even if it means leaving your community, roots, and extended family. That was me. you know. I wanted to get in my college education and get out of this traditional milieu, milieu I was in and move into the modern world. Many of us did. Um, and. And there is a a cost to be had in terms of community roots and extended family, although I've been lucky enough in 40 years to create that here for myself, and a lot of them are people that came here from home with me. Um, So at any rate, um, as, as he says, these are not desired or realistic options for millions of people. Millions of people don't want to leave home. And these packages, legislative packages, he says, say... We support the choices you have made and the places you have chosen to live. I like that. I think that this is inevitable. I think um, right now there's a big, um, bold plan being presented by the Democrats. I'm a little more agnostic about it, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of good with letting the forces in Washington fight it out, uh, but... Um, But uh, I I will say that in his column of this morning, uh, Brooks sort of shook my um, equanimity, if you will, about that a little bit. And and I'll I'll, I'll just read what he said from the actual paper here. He said, this is this morning's paper, and I used some of it so far, but he said, I've spent the last few weeks in controlled fury, (laughs) and I'm not normally a fury kind of guy. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and others are trying to pass argue, arguably the most consequential le- legislative package in a generation. And what did I sense in my recent travels ar- across five states? The same thing I sense in my social media feed and on the various media most viewed lists, Colin, indifference. Here we, have we given up on the idea that policy can change history? have we lost faith in our ability to reverse or even be alarmed by national decline more and more i hear people accepting the idea that america is not as energetic and youthful as it used to be i can practically hear the spirits of our ancestors crying out and, i love that you know now we're getting down into you know uh, red purple and, and and we want that we want to hear the voices of our ancestors um, course we're all interpreting the voices of our ancestors aren't we but at any rate he talks about the ancestors who had a core faith that this would forever be the greatest nation on the planet the new jerusalem and the last best best hope on earth well you know that's the triumphalist na- narrative of that stage and that's again fine it's great uh, but um you know i um Uh, Again, I I, I, I do have more equanimity than, uh, than Brooks, and I'll read one paragraph that I think highlights the difference. He says, in normal times, I'd argue that many of the programs in these packages may be ineffective. I'm a lot more worried about debt than progressives seem to be. So I'm, both of those are true for me. I worry that these programs will be ineffective. I don't trust the Democrats a lot of times uh, in the in the current bureaucracy. The bureaucracy has a life of its own. And I do appreciate uh, this. I appreciate this from Trump, actually, that he was a bull in the China shop in a lot of ways that um, I think is healthy for bureaucracies. They become calcified over time. Uh, so I worry about that. I worry about debt, I worry about inflation. Um, But then he says, but we're a nation enduring a national rupture, and the most violent parts of it may still be yet to come. And um, I don't rule that out for sure, you know, um, that we are in a culture war. Wars are ugly. It has not been violent uh, in any, you know, reasonable definition, uh, although there's, You know, some a handful of violent uh, incidents. But compared to civil wars, you know, a friend of mine was pointing out that Ken Burns, I guess, was on Anderson Cooper this week, and he said that this is the worst um, polarization since the Civil War, which, you know, definitely defines the polarization of the Civil War down, where 2% of the adult population died. Uh, If we were extrapolating, that'd be somewhere between 20 and 30 million people. so you know, let's not overstate it. Uh, but yes, uh, would it might it get more violent? Yes, might somebody get do a real you know some some nut with a bomb? Yes, I, I'm not optimistic about in that way about any of it. I think that could happen. But we also have a we have a military, <laughs> you know I mean, uh. I think they would sort of take care of it if it came to that. But at any rate, um, uh, yeah, I, I um, I, 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 like Brooks. Uh, it made it, it, you know, it made me think, you know, don't be so indifferent, look at this more closely and, uh, maybe even call my Congress percentages and I may, but, um, uh, thank you, David Brooks for waking me up and, Also for uh, presenting arguments that have an integrative quality. And thank you for the New York Times for publishing him. All right. That's it for today. Uh, Thank you for joining me. And um, uh, this is live on the Facebook page, the Post-Progressive Facebook page. It'll be posted on the Post-Progressive Post. You can find all my stuff at thedailyevolver.com. And um, yeah, let me know what you think if uh, you're so inclined at jeff at dailyevolver.com. or send me anything you think I ought to talk about, particularly if it comes from the New York Times. All right. Thanks, folks. See you next week.